an elderly music teacher from Croatia, and depending on how you look at it, either the world's unluckiest or the world's luckiest person to ever live. His unbelievable yet true story begins on a cold winter's day in 1962. Traveling from Sarajevo to Dubrovnik, a fault with the line caused his train to jump the track and plunge into the freezing river below. While other passengers were killed in the crash or drowned in the sinking wreckage, suffering a broken arm, Frayne managed to escape and swim to shore. Little did Frayne know at the time, but this incident marked the beginning of a series of bizarre events that would occur over the next 40 years of his life. The following year, while traveling aboard a small plane bound for Rijeka, disaster struck for a second time. Mid-flight, both engines stopped working, cabin pressure dropped, and the plane began losing altitude. You might have thought that this was probably the worst thing that could have happened, but you'd be wrong. While the plane plummeted towards the ground, a malfunctioning door blew off and poor Frayne was sucked out of the aircraft. Tumbling through the air without a parachute, Frayne must have thought he was a goner. But while the plane crashed into the side of a hill, killing all 19 on board, Frayne somehow managed to land in a haystack and survive with only minor injuries. Another two years went by before Frayne's next brush with death. This time, while traveling by bus, ice on the road caused the wheels to lock up and the vehicle skidded through the safety guard and into the valley below. Four passengers were killed, but not Frayne. Tired, or perhaps terrified, of public transport, Frayne began to travel mostly by car. But that didn't seem to help either. In 1970, his car engine burst into flames, but Frayne was able to jump free before it exploded. Then, three years later in 1973, the fuel pump in his new car ruptured, causing another engine fire. But this time, the flames were blown straight at him through the air vents. Needless to say, he survived this too, albeit with less hair than he began with. In 1995, he survived being hit by a bus. And in 1996, a careless truck driver forced him off the side of a mountain road. His car plunged 300 feet and exploded in a ball of flames. But Frayne wasn't in it. Having somehow jumped out of the window, he was found clinging to a tree some way down the cliff face. Now, Frayne's story may have ended there, as since then, Frayne hasn't been involved in any other death-defying incidents. However, there is one last twist to this man's incredible story. In 2003, at the age of 72, Frayne bought a lottery ticket, his first one in over 40 years. He won the jackpot, safely securing his place as the luckiest unlucky person to ever live. How many of you think he was lucky? How many would say unlucky? How many of you are glad you weren't Frank? <laughs> Just, <laughs> yeah, it's so interesting. That's Frank Selleck right here. Um, his story is so incredibly amazing. Um, and it's a story when you, you know, when, when you read his story or you, you watch his video uh, about his life. Um, we, we love this story. And you know why we love this story? It has a happy ending. Uh, in all of these cases of disaster, Frank survived them. And we like that. We like, the, we like the overcoming the odds, all that. Now, look at me. Just want you to hear my heart. You do understand it's not always like that. And that's what I want to talk about today. Um, you know, sometimes we're in a series called uh, Clichés, uh, Half-Truths, and Other Lies, We Believe. And sometimes it's like we want to believe that everything will just work out okay, if you just have enough faith. In fact, we often will say that to people, you know, if you just have faith, it'll all work out. Now, I just want you to hear my heart. It doesn't always work out. There were other people uh, on that train that didn't make it. There were people on that plane that didn't make it. There were people on that bus that didn't make it. Um, 
Not that our God doesn't intervene sometimes. Not that our God doesn't do miracles because I believe he does. But can we agree? He just doesn't always do miracles. Now, I I think this is an important understanding of our faith because sometimes there's the illusion that if we are just obedient to God and if we just have faith in God, then everything in life will just work out really, really well. But it doesn't. Uh, In fact, in Hebrews chapter 11, um, there is uh, an an, an incredible text where it talks about faith. And it says, you know, without faith, it's impossible to please God. And then it starts talking about these great people of faith, people who had faith in God and wonderful things happened. It talks about, you know, Gideon and Samson and all these wonderful people who they had faith and God did these great things. But then as you get toward the end of the chapter, it turns a little bit to some harder kinds of faith. We'll look at it together. Throw it up on the screen. Women received their dead, back their dead, raised to life again. Now listen very carefully. There were others who were what? Tortured, refusing to be released so that they might gain an even better resurrection. Some faced jeers and flogging and even chains and imprisonment. They were put to death by stoning. They were sawed in two. They were killed by the sword. They went about in sheepskins and goatskins, destitute, persecuted, and mistreated. And the world was not worthy of them. They wandered in deserts and mountains, living in caves and in holes in the ground. These were all commended for their faith. And yet none of them received what had been promised. There's a... uh, a pervading theology that has kind of made its way uh, across our culture. And, and it's a theology that says, you know what, if you, if you just love Jesus, if you just are obedient to God, then everything just kind of works really well for you. Now, hear my heart. I'm a big believer in loving Jesus. And I'm being a big believer in being obedient to God. But it is an illusion to believe that everything in life works out the way that we want it to work out. You know, if, 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 we, if everything worked out the way we wanted to, it would be easy to believe God. It's in those harder moments, and that's what I want to push on your faith. When, when everything, when life is good and all things are working well, you know, we, we, we yeah, God, we, you know, we're happy. But when it doesn't, can you hold on to God then? Because quite frankly, um, when things don't go the way we wanted to, sometimes some of us actually bail on God. Because we blame him for the things that are going on. Um, I love this. There was a quote by Thomas Kempis in his, in his book, um, The Imitation of Christ. He says, you know what? Many love him as long as they encounter no hardships. Many praise and bless him as long as they receive some comfort from him. But if Jesus hides himself and he leaves them for a while, they fall either into complaints or deep dejection. Can you believe God even when you can't feel God? Can you hold on to God even when it seems like life is coming apart at the seams? Well, that, that's what I want to I talk about. When, I, when I'm sitting back and, and, I, and, I'm, and you got to make yourself stay in your, in your pew because you don't wanna, we don't want to lose you here. Uh, make sure you stay, stay close here um, because get, this can get a little bit overwhelming. But I, I thought about what are some of the truths that we believe that we don't um, want to believe? You ready? Here we go. Here's the first one. Bad things happen to good people, to godly people. Bad things happen to godly people. 
Yeah. Now, how many of you godly people have had bad things happen to you? No, I mean the godly people. Godly people. How many of you can <laughs> There we go. <laughs> I, I think we need, to, we need to hold on to that because it does. And that's, that's one of the things. We, so again, we sometimes want to believe that, you know, if, we just, if we're just doing what God wants us to do, the bad things won't happen. But, but it does. All you got to do is go back and look, look at the story of Job for a second. You know, when you, when you look at the story of Job, God speaks of Job this way. He says, you know what? There is no one in all the world like Job whose heart is pure and who follows God. And then you look at what happened to Job. You know, he lost his family. He lost his home. He lost his crops. He had all these bad things. And yet he was a godly and upright person. How many of you love to claim the promises of God? Anybody? Yeah. How about this one from John 16, 33? In this world, you will have troubles. How many of you love to claim that one? Yeah. How many of you woke up this morning and said, Lord, I know in this world people are going to have troubles. Please make sure I get my fair share. You know, you know that's, that's, not, that's not exactly how we pray. And yet that is a part of life. Look, look at me. I, this is so important because one of the things that happens, and this is a question I get a lot of times as a pastor is when bad things are happening to someone, they'll ask, this, ask me this question. and say, Pastor, what am I doing wrong? What's wrong with my faith? And if we don't understand that bad things happen to good people, we'll either blame our lack of faith or we'll blame God. And the reality is this. You live in a fallen world. And in a fallen world, bad things happen to, to good people. Amen? And the second is just like that. And that is evil people sometimes win. Evil people sometimes. How many of you have ever seen somebody at work get a promotion or a raise or something good and you know they didn't deserve it? Yeah, yeah, it happens. You know, and sometimes we get really frustrated with that. But this, this is a world in which those kinds of things happen. In fact, if you, want a, if you want a good study in this, go to Psalm 73 sometime and just read what the psalmist says and how, how he talks about the fact, you know, evil people get ahead, um, you know, all this kind of stuff. And he talks about how they're healthy and they're wealthy and I don't understand that well. Guess what? This is a world system. Jesus was really clear. My kingdom is not of this world. And the day that you think it is, you're going to set yourself up for a lot of pain and sorrow. Because sometimes evil people, they get ahead. And that ties me to the next one. Life is not fair. Life is not fair. Everybody say that out loud. Life is not fair. Okay, come on. Group therapy. One more time. Life is not fair. Fair. Now, you, you got to wrap your mind around this because a lot of times we, we, we look at this and we go, well, that's not fair. You're right. You're absolutely right. I had a kid in my youth group years ago. I loved this kid. He used to say whenever some other kid would say, that's not fair. He'd say, you know what? You're right. A fair is where you ride the rides and eat cotton candy. This is life. <laughs> I love that. I love that. You know, sometimes even when you're, when you're trying to do good, there was a, some of you may have seen it. This was so, so funny. Last year, um, there's a, a TV show called Inside Edition. I don't know how many of you have seen that. But they, uh, they do these exposés where they try to, you know, kind of show various things going on in our culture. Last year, they were in the Bay Area uh, out in San Francisco. And they were trying to call attention to this epidemic of car break-ins where people would park their car and somebody would bash their window out and steal their stuff. And it, I mean, it was happening day after day and they couldn't seem to gain any traction. So Inside Edition decided they're going to do something about it. So uh, Lisa Guerrero and her partner parked a car in a high-risk area. They left a $200, $250 speaker and a very expensive purse laying on the seat and they locked the car and they left. 
And sure enough, no sooner did they walk around the corner than somebody who had looked in the window saw that, a guy busted out the back window, took the purse and tossed it to a female companion and grabbed the speaker and left. I mean, it was just that quick. In fact, a bystander said it took like 20 seconds for that to happen. And uh, they caught it on film. But the cool thing was they put GPS tracking devices in both those items. And so they tracked him, and they end up confronting, they found the guy um, at a BART station, which is BART is their public transportation uh, in San Francisco. They caught him at a, at a BART station and confronted him. Throw that picture up on the screen. That was actually, there, there's Lisa actually confronting the guy with the speaker. You can see the speaker in his hand. And she walks up to him and says, that's my speaker. And the guy's like, oh, wow, I don't know what you're talking about. Goes, no, we have it on film, dude. We've got you on film. And uh, we got a GPS tracking device in that. And, and you know, we, you know, you're here. Now, five million people are going to see this. And you got to decide. Are you going to keep that speaker? Are you going to steal it and let five million people know you did it? Or, or are you going to do the right thing? Well, the guy, it was really interesting because the guy, after a little bit, sets the speaker down and walks off. And in a nearby trash can, they found the purse that was in there with the tracking device. And they, they got both of them back. And it was a cool thing. It was like, you know, they, you know we, we conquered. You know, that was, was kind of a cool thing. Until they got back to their van. Oh, Yeah which had been broken into, and they stole several thousand dollars worth of equipment out of the van. You try to do something good, and it doesn't always work out good. Life is not fair. One more time, church. Life is not fair. That's a good tool for you parents to tell your kids. You're, <laughs> you're going to hear that again today. Sometimes God says no. Sometimes God says no. That's a truth we don't always like to hear either. Um, I want to be really clear. There is absolutely no one who loves you more in this universe than Almighty God. There is no one who will bless you more than he will. You are a child of God. You have the right to ask your Heavenly Father for anything. But he is your Heavenly Father. And he has the right to say no. Amen? Now, come on, it's just us. Um, we're all from a different place and different journeys, but how many of you have pleaded desperately with God for things that he has said no to? Yeah. It happens to all of us. It happened to the Apostle Paul. You know, the passage of Scripture that I put there on your outline was the Apostle Paul coming to, uh, to, to Jesus and had this, what he called a thorn in the flesh. We're not really sure what it was. He said it was a messenger of Satan. Some people felt like it was, might be a malaria or, or some kind of physical disease. Some have felt like a, some kind of something that he was really struggling with that he couldn't shape. But three times he said, I, I came to the Lord with it and asked God to remove it. And God said, no. God said, Paul, my grace is sufficient. In other words, I'm not going to remove this from you. I'll help you walk through it. Does that make sense to you? Let me give you one more, and I just needed to say this out loud. Everybody dies. Everybody dies. Now, the reason I have to say that out loud is, is because sometimes we, we try to treat life as if this life is all there is. And, and sometimes we, we forget that death really is a part of the journey of this world. Um, we, we come to God and we ask God for healing. And you know what? I've been in ministry 40 years. I've seen God do some incredible things. 
I, I've had people whom God has given length of years to. I've seen God uh, heal people from cancer, uh, heart problems. I've seen God extend people's life beyond what anyone would imagine. I've seen God do some incredible and miraculous things. But look at me. But still, every one of those people die one day. And, and it's an important understanding to come to. Because somewhere along the way, we, we have to yield some of this and, and realize that for all of the power of God in this world, there is going to come a time when every single one of us are going to pass from this life to another. Now, I, I, I want to say that to you because there are some of you in this room that some of your hardest moments with God may have been times where you were pleading with God for the life of someone close to you. It may, it may have been a friend who had cancer. It may have been a child that developed leukemia. It may have been a parent. And, and sometimes we, we don't always understand. Some people die very young in life and some live very old in life. And we, we don't always understand how these things happen. But here's the deal. Everyone dies. And when we can accept that, and realize that that too is a part of the journey and that God will go with us even through death. It's okay. Amen? It's okay. Now, I know there's a whole bunch of you going, boy, I'm glad I came to church today. <laughs> this is depressing. This is hard faith. Now, I, I, I want to I turn a corner, and, you, and I, and I want to give you something, because these are the truths that we don't like to acknowledge, but they are the truths of this world. But I want to give you today, so Pastor Steve, what can I hang on to if these are the truths I have to live with? What can I hang on to, and what can I do? Take a deep breath. Let's, let me breathe into you. You ready? Here we go. Here, here's the first thing I want to say to you. God will give us his presence, even when he doesn't give us the answer our answer. God will give us his presence even when he doesn't give us our answer. There's a, a lady named uh, Alyssa Martin. She wrote an article um, some time back. Uh, she was talking about her daughter, Eva, and some of her uh, just experiences of praying with her daughter at night before she went to bed. And uh, Eva was 11 years old and, and uh, Alyssa said one night when she came in to have her prayer time, she said, I was, I was struggling a little bit because I'd had a friend at work who was telling me about her young daughter who had developed this condition where she was losing her hair and how just mortified her daughter was and how horrified her daughter was. And um, she said, I, Eva could tell something was, was, was bothering me and she asked me about it. And so I told her, um, a girl named Amy um, is losing her hair and they don't know why. And she said it was, it was so cute. She says, because as we, as we knelt beside her bed to pray, she said, little Eva prayed, and dear Jesus, could you please hold Amy's hair on her head? Could you please hold Amy's hair on her head? And uh, Alyssa said, I just thought that was such a beautiful prayer. And she said, night after night for six weeks, she said, Eva kept praying this prayer, but Amy kept losing her hair. And they finally determined she had some kind of an immune deficiency condition that was causing this hair loss. And it was probably going to continue and that there wasn't going to be any stopping it. And she said, I told, I told Eva that. She said, but sure enough, when we knelt down beside the bed, she said, Eva, Eva said, and dear Jesus, could you please hold Amy's hair on her head? But Jesus, if you don't, would you please hold Amy? What an incredible prayer for an 11-year-old to pray. 
And what great theology. Now, look at me. I want you to hear with all my heart. I am not going to stand before you and tell you that God will spare you a lot of the trauma or pain of life. Because odds are he will not. But here's what I will promise you. He will never leave you or forsake you. He will be with you every step of the way. There may be times you are so overwhelmed or even so depressed, you can't feel God. But his word is true, and he says, I am close to the brokenhearted. When God doesn't get us out, he walks with us through it. Amen? I I love how the psalmist said this. Um, Psalm 42, he says, I hear the, the tumult of the, of the raging seas as your waves and surging tides sweep over me. Read it out loud. But each day the Lord pours his unfailing love upon me and through each night I sing his songs praying to God who gives me life. Praying to You know, one of our, our favorite psalms is Psalm 23. Um, where the psalmist talks about the presence of God. And I, I love this part from Psalm 23, 4. Read it with me, church. Even when I walk through the darkest valley, I will not be afraid. You close beside me. You know, in the older versions, they translate that as the valley of the shadow of death. And I've, I've had the privilege through the years of walking with a lot of people through some of those times. And there are a lot of times when God hasn't answered the prayer the way that we would want him to answer. But this is, I can promise you, no matter what you are walking through, no matter what dark valley, even as you go through the process of death, he will never leave you or forsake you. His presence is with us. Amen. There's another piece that I would, I would give to you that I think is a hard thing for us to do, but a very necessary thing for us to do. And that is that faith is about surrendering to God's will more than convincing God of our will. You know? And that's what we often do in our prayer, isn't it? I mean, we, we want to convince God that we know best and we want God to answer it this way because, you know, we're sure this is how it ought to be. And, and you know, and, and, some, and sometimes we forget that maybe he's a little smarter. Maybe he's got a better idea. Maybe he knows a little bit more, but ultimately he's in charge. Look at me, come on. The Trinity has not yet become a quartet, right? <laughs> Though I wish it would, you know. <laughs> but we don't. And so ultimately we have to yield it to his hand. And that's, a, that's, a really, that's an un- uncomfortable thing to do. Uh, you know, several years ago when I was actually here in the 80s as an associate pastor, I was flying uh, someplace uh, one day and um, I, I had a really bad plane experience. It, we, we took off in this little plane in this you know, cloudburst and it just... Plane was all over the sky, and it just scared the bejeebers out of me. I mean, I was just—I I was left literally with a phobia of flying. Um, how many of you? How many of you don't like to fly? How many of you have fear of flying? Yeah, it's, it's just—it's it's horrible. And I started getting panic attacks. I mean, a couple days before I would fly, I would start getting these panic attacks. And I'll never forget—I got on this plane. And it was actually a bigger plane. I think it was a 737. I had my aisle seat, and I sat down. And in my in my phobia, I used to go through my rituals to make sure God wasn't going to let this plane go down. You know, I pray for the pilot, the co-pilot, the navigator, the weather, the mechanical. You know, you know f- so fearful that if I forgot one thing, that was going to be the thing to go wrong. You know, and I'm a jinx myself kind of stuff like I'm controlling this world and um, but I'm, I'm going through my prayer, prayer thing and this um, uh, a guy in an airplane outfit and a pilot comes walking down the aisle and he sits across the aisle from me and I you know and he nodded and I introduced myself and I was like oh I don't, I don't 
don't know why that made me feel safer. <laughs> this guy's not flying the plane. He's back there with me, you know, but he's, he's sitting across the aisle. Somehow I felt like having a pilot close at hand just kind of just made me feel better. And uh, so we're talking and, and uh, you know, he, he's talking about where he's going and stuff and we're yakking a bit. Well, we take off and then we, we, as we're heading up, we, we start hitting this clear air turbulence, you know, and the plane starts bouncing around. And of course, I'm gripping the armrest and my knuckles are showing up like, you know, kind of stuff. And I look over at this pilot looking for comfort. And this pilot kind of, he's got this fearful look on his face. And he looks at me and he goes, it's kind of scary back here. And I'm like, what good are you, you know? <laughs> that didn't do anything for my phobia. <laughs> but you know what it was? It's the lack of control. You see, when he's sitting up in the captain's seat, he's got his hands on the wheel. He, he's got control of that plane. But sitting back there, he had to fully trust it to someone else. Look at me. I think that's a really hard part of our faith. Because you see, ultimately, God invites us to surrender our will to his. And it's just not easy. In fact, I put this on your outline. Throw that statement up on the screen for me. You know, it's easy to believe God for what we want. The harder faith is trusting God for what he wants. But that's the model, even the model of prayer that Jesus taught us. In fact, throw that up on the screen. When Jesus was in the garden of Gethsemane facing the cross, it says, and he went on a little further and he bowed his, with his face to the ground and he was praying. Read it with me. My father, if it is possible, let this cup of suffering be taken away from me. Yet I want your will to be done, not mine. Now, I, I love this because what I was talking about earlier, Jesus was asking, you know, if there's another way, <laughs> I'd like that one. But not my will, but your will. Now, here's why this is so important. Sometimes when things aren't going the way we want them to, we, we want to put the blame on ourselves. And, and sometimes we think, if I just pray this right, if I just say the right words, uh, if I just offer the right sacrifice, if I just go in Jesus' name, you know, um, if, if we just, you know, if, if I get a couple of people, if I, if I pray it at church or if I get enough people on the prayer chain to pray, you know, we, we try to look, what's that magic formula for me to get God to do what I want him to do? And sometimes it just comes to this thing where we got to say, Lord, not my will, but your will. That's a hard prayer of faith. That's a grown-up prayer of faith. But that's the best prayer of faith. I, I put this again on your outline, but I just think God's ongoing question to us throughout life is this. Do you trust me? Do you trust me? Now, again, look at me. Make eye contact. You won't always understand why God says no. You won't always understand why God doesn't give you what you're asking for. You won't always understand why you can pray so hard and things still don't go the way you think they ought to go. Sometimes you don't get, because here's the deal. His ways are not our ways. The way he thinks is not the way that we think. And sometimes we have to come to a place where even having prayed our hearts, we simply say, God, you know the desire of my heart. I believe you love me more than I love myself. 
but not my will, your will. Amen? Let me give you one more. Faith takes the long view. Faith takes the long view. <laughs> Come on. How many of you are like me and you're just not big believers in delayed gratification? Yeah, that's why I'm so annoyed with slow drivers. You know, I just, I just it's just me. I, I, I think the microwave was invented for me. You know, I, I know what I want, but I want it now. And sometimes I think we take that view of life where we see what we want and we see the here and now. We look at this little space of time and we think this is it. But faith is the ability to take a much longer view because sometimes, sometimes what God has for us isn't clear to us. Sometimes the thing that you're asking for, believe it or not, is not the best thing. Sometimes God has something for us that is even beyond what we could ever ask or imagine. Which is why he sometimes says no, so that he can say yes to something even better along the way. I had a great conversation with Pastor Jared, who is our, our, our student ministries pastor here uh, for a number of years. He's a senior pastor now uh, in uh, the Phoenix area, he's actually having to work for a living now, which is really good for him. And uh, I say that while well, Pastor Will listens to this. That'd be good. But I was talking to Jared last week, and it was so interesting. Jared was, um, Jared's church is a, is a church plant, and they meet in a, a, like a big house. But they had had enough people come that they, they knew they needed more space. And so they found out they could sell their, their property and their building. And, um, and they had a, a buyer that really wanted it for a commercial uh, uses. And so they, were, they moved into a school where they could have a little more room, and they got the house, they would get the house all ready to sell. And this buyer uh, was going to buy it, and Jared was telling me, you know, along the way how much, you know, how much money they were going to get out of this house, and it was going to give them, you know, a good amount to kind of restart for the future, and it was really exciting. Well, this, this company that wanted to buy it held on to the very last minute when they could back out of the deal in May, and on the very last day, they bailed. Now, Jared and his church have put in money to meet in a school to get the house ready. They've, they've spent money they don't have to do all this. And, and Jared was really frustrated. I don't blame him a bit. And it's one of those moments where you go, you know, God, are you sure you know what you're doing with this? I mean, we were counting on this. And, and now they're having to move back out of the school and back into the house. But Jared last week on the phone was telling me he was having a conversation with the realtor who was apologizing for what took place. And uh, the, the deal was the company was trying to get this, this land and everything zoned for commercials. They could do it, which it, it, it could have happened, but they just decided to pull out. The realtor then told Jared, he said, well, why don't you guys go ahead and get the zoning through? Because a church can meet in any kind of zoning. Why don't you take charge of it and get it zoned commercial? Because if you get it zoned commercial and then put it on the market, you'll get about twice what you're currently trying to sell it for. Jared's like, What? That would have been helpful news on the beginning of this process. But, but you see, when we, when we were laughing about it, we were going, you know, we're, we're, we're ticked off at God for not giving us what we want when God's going, well, okay, get mad at me for giving you twice what it's worth. You know, that's okay. You know? Sometimes God just has a different and better plan. That's a long view. And sometimes we have to remember this. In this world, look at me, payday's not always on Friday. Sometimes this earth is not the end of the matter. You know, there, there's a, a, a beautiful but almost ridiculous text of Scripture in Philippians chapter 1. 
Paul's in jail for preaching. I thought I was a bad preacher. They threw him in jail for the way he preached. Paul, Paul was in jail for preaching. And uh, he, he didn't know if he's going to survive this. He doesn't know if they're going to put him to death or what's going to happen. And so in chapter 1, Paul's processing this with the Philippians in his letter. And he says to them, you know, for me to live is Christ. But to die is even better. I'm not sure which one I want. Now, when you hear people talk like that, you go, that guy's out of his mind. You know, they're suicidal. No, 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 no. Paul, Paul wasn't suicidal. It's just that for Paul, heaven was not a dream. It was a reality. He didn't believe that his life would end here on planet Earth. Paul believed that when this world has done its worst, that he still had something better. That's faith that takes the long view. I love what he wrote to the Corinthians. Throw that up on the screen. Our present troubles are small and won't last very long, yet they produce for us a glory that vastly outweighs them and will last forever. Read it with me, church. So we don't look at the troubles we can see now. Rather, we fix our gaze on things that cannot be seen. For the things we see now will soon be gone. But the things we cannot see will last forever. That's why I put on your outline. You know, faith isn't the belief that things always work out, at least here on earth. But faith is the belief that things will ultimately work out in the long view. Amen. Rachel, go ahead and come on up. I'm going to ask my prayer partners if they would go ahead and come on up as well. And just a moment, Rachel's going to sing this really beautiful, beautiful song for us. And um, uh, it's a song that says, be still and know that I am God. And my guess is there may be some of us here today that um, are at some of those tough places of faith. Maybe some of us who um, are facing some things, dealing with some things, coping with some things. And maybe we've been asking the question, Lord, where are you in all of this? And maybe today um, you would like someone to pray with you about that. Well, while Rachel plays this song, uh, for those of you who would like someone to pray with you, you can slip out from where you are and any one of our prayer partners and you can come up to them and they will be more than happy to pray with you about whatever's on your heart. Uh, if this morning, if you would like one of them to pray for you um, and you're not real mobile and you need them to come to you, if you'll just hold up your hand, they'll come to you right where you are and pray with you right there in the pew for you. Uh, we want to make it convenient for everyone. There may be some of you who just want a moment alone with God and you want to slip and up to an altar where you can just kneel and be there with God by yourself and that's fine. Some of you may want to put, just go ahead and put it on your prayer card and hang it on the prayer wall and, and that's fine too. I know sometimes it feels like God has abandoned you. But he hasn't. He will never leave you or forsake you. It's just a part of living in this horrible, horrible world. Jesus said, in this world, I'm so sorry, but you will have troubles. But take the long view. Take heart, because I have overcome the world. And this Jesus, who may not let you be spared of every trouble in life, will promise to walk with you through every trouble in life. 
And if we can pray with you while you're dealing with yours, we'd count that a privilege this morning. So Rachel's going to lead us in the song. You can respond with whatever, however is convenient for you. And after we've sung this song through, I'm just going to pray a prayer, ask God to meet us here. Let Lean into the Lord over these next few moments and let him speak to you. Lord Jesus, how we thank you um, for that promise, though life comes at us hard, that you will be with us every step of the way. If we were honest, we would tell you that we would like an exemption clause in our commitment to you. We would like to be spared so many of the problems that people deal with here on earth. But life isn't fair. Sometimes bad things happen to very good people. But Father, how grateful we are that no matter what we endure, that you are close to us. That even when you don't remove us from the situations, you provide your comfort, you provide your strength, and you provide your peace. There are times, Lord, when life gets really dark, and especially in times when we get really depressed and our emotions are so deadened, we, we can't even feel you near. But Father, in those times, we, we hold on to a truth that we know in our hearts, even though we can't feel it with our emotions. And that is that you are close to the brokenhearted. Father, I pray today that you would put your hand upon each and every one who may just be at a very difficult place this morning. You know what they're facing and what they're dealing with. You know how overwhelming the circumstances that they find themselves in. And I pray today, right now, that you would wrap your arms around them. Like the little prayer that Eva prayed. That when you don't hold the hair to their head... I pray that you would hold them. Father, thank you. Um, thank you that this life is not the end of the matter. Paul said, if we didn't have this hope, we would be among men uh, the most pitied. But we do have this hope. Lord, we believe with all of our heart that when this world has done its worst against us and taken the very breath from our lungs, that that's the day that we take our first breath of glory. And eternity begins. So, Father, today, in spite of what this world brings our way, we hope in you. In your precious name we pray. We give you thanks. And everyone said, amen. Amen.